0: Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life, your heart. It is imperative that you and I put forth an effort to protect this heart, to guard this heart, to invest in this heart, to to remove things from this heart. We got we got to do a continual maintenance on this sacred ground called the heart. And Jesus gave the parable of the sower or the farmer and his field. And basically, he says that the field or the ground is our hearts and our heart can be any one of these conditions. And if you're not careful, you could freeze frame that heart's condition and think that you are only one of those grounds and you stay that ground. No seasons come, seasons go. You might one and one season be the wayside, the next season you could be the stony ground, and the next season you could be the thorny ground, and the next season you could be the good ground. But if we do continual maintenance on these grounds, we will have good ground. We will have productive ground. And that is the will of God for us to be fruitful. And so a little review over the past couple of weeks on these holy grounds. Today's part three. But some review that This this seed in the parable is the word of God and the ground is the heart. It's the same seed in every scenario. The same seed has the same power, but different ground produces different results. The enemy we see right away off the bat there in the first example is that the enemy is like that bird in the air that sees the seed above the surface of the ground. And immediately the Bible says he is swooping down to catch up the word. The enemy does everything he can to snatch the word from reaching beyond the surface. We got to get the word past the surface. We got to get it inside of our hearts. We learn that the wayside hearts are vulnerable. Uh, And so it is our job as mature saints to protect the seed with the sword. When the seed doesn't get into a heart, that's all that stays and remains. But if you've already got the seed in your heart and you've grown and developed, it's time that the seed turns into the sword of the spirit, which is the word of the God. And we got to fend off any adversary or opponent or devil that would try to come down and snatch the word out of people that come into this church. We must teach Bible studies. God has called us to disciple, to be one. And to make one anytime we hear the word, but are not doers of the word, we are the wayside. It's not just people who who come here one service or three services and they they reject the one God holiness born again message. Uh, uh, the wayside is any time we don't receive the word of God, we hear it. But if any word goes forth and we choose not to apply it and we reject it with a contrary spirit, that is a wayside mentality. So don't just think that you're here today and because we've been born again, that we can never be the wayside. It's not just people who reject the new birth message. We also learned that the stony ground last week receives the word with joy and it sprouts up fast. And so we must monitor rapid growth. And if we're not quickened to deepen roots, we're quick to die. No depth equals certain death. The stony ground dies as fast as it grows when faced with resistance, persecution, trials, unless we add depth to that seed inside our heart. The stony ground we learn when struck tends to resist and the stony ground is easily offended. The scripture says. But if they add depth and they deal with the stones and man, we had a move of the Holy Ghost last week. God, God started plowing. God started getting deep and stones were being remo- uh, removed, and p- brought to the surface. And it's uncomfortable to deal with it. But when you deal with these stones, these stones beneath the surface, these hurts from the past, these things that are deep inside of us, when you remote, remove those stones, they build, they build powerful altars and inspiring memorials, you will cause those to walk by and, and invest and ask and inquire about what those stones mean that have been built as a memorial outside of our lives. We go now to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read verse seven, then we're going to read verse 22. As we go to this third ground, this third holy ground, Matthew chapter 13. And verse seven, Jesus gives the parable and he says, "Some fell." Among thorns, everyone say thorns, the thorns sprung up and choke them. Jesus expounds on the meaning of this in verse 22. And Jesus says this, he also that receives seed among the thorns is the person that hears the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches chokes the word. And he becomes unfruitful. A couple of things I want to make sure we understand and we do not miss here. And I want to just set right off the bat just so we can move forward is that Jesus is not against having wealth. Jesus is not against riches. In fact, Jesus rebuked the disciples as the disciples reproved someone for not giving money to the poor. Our biblical forefathers were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They weren't exactly paupers or panhandlers. If you look at the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they flourished. They prospered. They did well. And that is our spiritual heritage. Jesus was against greed. Jesus was against selfishness. And you and I must be careful when we attack wealth. It's it's I've seen it so many times in the church where where people will actually kind of throw darts at people that have correct context will help you and I to comprehend or register this thought that if you or anyone here makes anywhere near twenty to thirty thousand dollars, you are the top one percent wealth in the world. The top one percent wealth in the world is in that category that we as Americans call poverty. It's really. Rich relative. Basically if you're American. You're in danger. Because as Americans. We are the wealthy. As Americans. We are the camel. Trying to go through the eye. Of the needle. We are the wealthy. We are the distracted. Also when we critique wealth. It typically typically comes from a jealous heart. Not a caring heart. Not one of concern for that person's soul. It's usually envy. It's usually you covet what someone else has that you wish you had. And so the best way to look spiritual is to tear down what they have because you blessed are the poor. In spirit, by the way, Jesus does not say blessed are the poor. Jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit. It's a spiritual condition. We must be poor in spirit, not Jesus saying, well, the more debt you accrue, the more blessed you are. That's not what Jesus is teaching. In fact, Jesus rebuked the disciples for criticizing the way someone used expensive perfume, and the disciples called it a waste. The disciples cleverly disguised their own greed by saying, oh, that that expensive perfume, we should have sold it. And gave it to the poor. That's what they said. And Jesus rebuked them. See, wealth can bless the work of God, wealth can advance the work of God. But wealth is not the goal of God. That's not God's primary objective for us coming to church, to being a part of this movement, is not to accrue treasures on earth. Wealth is not the goal of God. And these preachers that you might hear on the radio or people talk about the preachers on the TV and these seed faith offerings. And if you give, you know, God will give you a double for your trouble. God will give you a triple for your ripple. God will bless you a hundredfold because you put money in the plate. I do believe God blesses cheerful giving. It's a principle. It's absolutely there. But this prosperity doctrine that we give to get is a false doctrine. For if that doctrine was true, it would work in third world countries. But see, you don't see these big name preachers with with private jets and Rolls Royces going to these these countries and telling them to give their way out of poverty. Because if it's true, truth transcends any climate, any culture, if it really is truth. Am I making sense today? We all right. I promise you this is not a money sermon today. God does not need our money, but God does teach us how to handle our money. Jesus was asked about money on a number of occasions. But in one instance, they tried to trip up Jesus and get him arrested. And they, they said, hey, Jesus, is it, is it lawful? You know, should we be paying taxes? Should we be giving money to Caesar? Because Caesar's not apostolic. And Caesar doesn't believe this one God message. Should we be giving money to the government, these taxes? And here's what Jesus says. He says give to Caesar that which is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. To break that down a little more basic for you, government wants taxes. God wants tithes. Jesus said, we give to the government what belongs to the government. But don't ever forget what belongs to God. Because every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God has blessed us, and so we're going to do what we do as law abiding citizens, and we'll give taxes. Don't try to stand here today and try to say whether it's right. The IRS, you know, I don't know this government, you know, I uh, uh, whatever. And there's people that try to talk their way out of taxes. Don't just just be a law abiding citizen, pay your taxes. But as a citizen of God's kingdom. Don't ever forget what is God's. God called us. And if you're here today and you're unaware what tithing is, tithing means 10%. It is whatever income, whatever dollar comes into your pocket, immediately you say 10% belongs to God. And this is not an Old Testament trick or scheme. This is New Testament. Jesus, you could write this down. It's not on the screen. But Matthew 23, 23, Jesus addressed the Pharisees and he said, you pay tithe of mint and cumin and anise. And you have omitted the weightier matters of the law that ye have ought to done or judgment, faith and mercy and that you have ought to done and not leave the other undone. And what that means is Jesus said, don't don't stop tithing. But you better make sure you have the right heart and the right motive. See, the Pharisees, they they handled money, but they handled money with a wicked spirit and a wicked heart. And so, Jesus said, deal with the heart. Get your heart right. And then start giving with the right heart and the right lifestyle. Everyone say thorny ground. This is the ground we are talking about today. This ground, this heart of ours can be thorny ground. Now, what does it mean to be thorny ground. It's the heart that's caught up with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Now, how do I know if my heart or I am thorny ground? The first thing Jesus states is the thorny ground is someone that is caught up with the cares of this world. You look into the Greek definition of that word care. It literally means distraction. Everyone say distraction. The, dis- the cares of this world is to be distracted by this world. There are countless scriptures that we can use to, to depict this attitude, but there's just I'll, I'll, I'll just share two simple portions of scripture to help clarify this today. The first portion of scripture is in Romans 8, 5 through 8, and I'll read it. And it says this. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God because it's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. It's so governed by the world and by the flesh that it is not subject or in submission to God. It's not submitted to kingdom minded thinking. And then he goes on to say in verse eight, so the person that is in the flesh cannot please God. It is an impossibility to be pleasing to God by being carnally minded for your mind, your thoughts to be consumed with the ways of this world. So this is what we ought to do if you want to find out. Do I have any thorns in this ground? Are there any whatsoever? And here's one suggestion. Take inventory of your thoughts. Take inventory of your thoughts. What are your prevailing thoughts? What is consistently going through your mind? What consistently is something that you think about? And these things that consume your attention, would they fall into the category of God or would they fall into the category of flesh or this world? Yeah, uh, here would be some real easy examples is uh, when you wake up in the morning is the first thing on your mind. Is it about boys? Is it about girls is it about popularity? Is it about apparel? Is it about movie stars that constantly consumes your thoughts? Are you thinking about your favorite band, your favorite artist, a singer? Do you wake up and you're consumed with the thought of sports or entertainment or Parting? Are you are you constantly thinking about your career and and your 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 thoughts always tend to flow towards money and your mind is filled with movies and YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, whatever uh, a venue of watching. What is constantly taking over your mind? You're just sitting there. You're just sipping a latte or whatever, and all of a sudden, just your mind instantly goes to I got to go watch this. I got to go listen to this. got to go be with this guy. I got to go be with this girl. We're talking about thoughts. Take inventory of your mind, the cares of this world. Do those categories fall into your thinking pattern or do you have thoughts of this? Like, you know, I want to pray today. I'm going to make sure I find time to read my Bible today. I, I wonder what What's going on at church this week? I wonder who's going to be at church this week. I wonder who I can bring to church this week. I your your mind consumed with outreach and with witnessing. And, you know, I, I, I want to I want to improve my spiritual discipline because I, I want I want to disciple somebody. I want to develop what goes through your mind each week on a day to day. Until you arrive on Sunday, if you still struggle to discover your thoughts, you can find them through. Your conversation, you may not you may not be able to put into words right now what you think about, but your conversation will reveal what is in your mind or what is a priority. You know, people might look or act churchy. Uh, This can help you. Your mouth reveals what the heart conceals. If you still struggle, uh, you me just just explain a little more is just what do you keep talking about here's what's what bothers me personally i i travel a lot in 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 different meetings and events and i'm around a lot of ministers and it always bothers me i may look like i'm ignorant and that i'm just kind of like keeping to myself but i promise you this though i may not be talking at the table i'm listening and it bothers me to no end when i'm at a table of ministers and i hear them talk about everything but god Not just for the event, but for the course of the whole week. I just can't fathom being a minister of the gospel, but never talking about the God of that gospel that I supposedly represent. But I hear everything about the hunting, and I hear everything about the fishing, and I hear everything about the car and their retirement plan. And I hear everything about their grandchildren or their children. And none of these things, remember, are wrong. Because Jesus wasn't condemning having any of those things. Jesus wasn't against someone having wealth. Jesus is not against you having children. Jesus is not against you having friends. Jesus is not against you having a hobby. But what constantly is discussed and what is constantly at the forefront of your discussion can help you reveal what is what is passionate or in the forefront of your mind. Another way, if you still this struggle to discover your thoughts through your conversation, you can find them in your actions. What are you doing through the course of the week? I mean, we might have our mandatory job that we have to be at, but outside of that job and outside of scheduled church time slots, what do you do with your time? Do you ever make time? I'm not talking about, I thank God everyone here that is here on Sundays. You're here on Tuesdays. You're here on Wednesdays. I thank God for that. But outside of those designated slots that we have committed to the cause of Christ, what do you do with your time? Another portion of scripture is 1 John two fifteen and 16. I know we're a little slow going here today, but personally, I've been enjoying taking our time going through this Bible study. I believe God's been doing some great works in our lives These past few weeks. And here's what the writer says. John, the apostle in verse 15, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. Meaning there is. There is tangible and intangible things of the world. The world's not just material. The world is a spirit. It's a movement. It's an ethos. It's, it's eons. It's, it's, it's this spirit, this attitude that is out there. Don't fall in love with the way of the world or the material that is in the world. And look at what it says. This is very important. I, uh, if, if you capture this, there's a lot of things we're going to discuss here. But if you could capture this thought, this can help you on a day-to-day basis. If any person loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. We can say we love God all we want. But you and I both know a relationship is not designed to be one way. It's two ways. So we can say, I love God. I worship God all I want. But I want the love of God also in me. I want the love of God in In me. I want it going into my. I want that two way street. I want relationship. And so God says if you have a love for this world and you have a love for the things in the world, then we're not in relationship. You're relation, you're cheating on me. You're having an affair. You're you're going to this world and you just want me for my stuff. God says that is not the way of a Christian. And if you're wondering what the world is, look at verse 16. Here's how you can better understand what the spirit of the world is. It is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's not of the Father. That is of the world. And lust is not confined to sexual temptations. It is the desire for the things of Of the world, it is the desire for the things that my eyes are set upon. It is the desire to take care of me. It's the pride of life. It is the lust of the flesh. It is the lust of the eye. That is what is the world desires that please our humanity and not divinity. I want to please God, not this world. And this is what I want you to capture from these verses: is that it would. Behoove you, it would benefit you to begin to find out what is of the world. Because if if what the world is is what I'm after, the love of the Father is not in me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pause here the rest of the sermon and try to define to you what the spirit of the world is, and we will do that, we can do that at a later time. But you, I hope you prayerfully consider God. Oh, this spirit of the world is any of it in me. For if any of it is in me, the love of the father is not in me. That is why pastor is so particular about certain things we participate in or we don't participate in. And you can say, well, you're just kind of going overboard on this. Or I think you take too strong of a stance on that. No, look, I'm not some like chicken little, the skies fall be afraid of everything. And let's hide in some sort of secret cavern and let's be some sort of monastery. No, but I want to make, sure that I diligently guard this heart because I don't want anything of the world to be what I am going after. For if the spirit of the world is in me, the love of the Father is not... How many want the love of the Father in your life? Then let's let's just take a moment real fast and let's just lift up our hands and say, God, let me have a greater love for the Father than a love of this world. And Lord, help me to take moments in my daily devotion to pause and reflect and look to see if there's anything in this world that has my attention that's causing distraction. God help us. Someone say in Jesus name. Some other things that are noteworthy here in this parable that we have read today. It never says the seed or the plant or the word dies. It never says it dies. It says it's choked or unfruitful. It's green. It's plush, but it has no yield. There's no fruit. The last seed, the last seed we read about dies, right? It dies. It grows up fast with joy and it's excited. It sprouts up. But the moment conflict arises, it shrivels up and dies because there's no depth, because it never deals with the deeper issues and it never adds depth in the spirit. But this particular ground, it never says that it withers and dies. It's just not fruitful. And if we are not careful, church, we can be standing tall, we can have green in our lives. We can have, you know, a, a beauty in our lives. We can have a life and we can be standing and breathing and still in the house of God. And I'm thankful to be in the house of God, but I don't want to just be a green plant in the house of God. That's full of leaves and foliage, but no fruit. Because if, if we just have a bunch of foliage, but there's no fruit, we can't give any life to anyone. We know one another by the fruit of the tree. And I want this community to know the fruit that is in this tree, that is in this church. I want to give sustenance in life. Someone say amen. Thorny ground is distracted ground. Remember, the definition of cares of this world in the Greek cares means distraction. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches will distract you from true riches. There are true riches that God has to offer us. There is beauty that God has to offer us. But if we are distracted with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, we will never attain to true riches. And the last person to find out that they're this type of ground is typically the guilty one. You're alive. You're 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 alive. You're standing in the house of God. You're planted in the house of God. and, and, And you got you got money. You got the house. You got the cars and you misinterpret wealth for blessing. You can be blessed with wealth. But wealth is not the blessing. And we are not careful. I got all my bills paid. And I I got all these storehouses. And I got the new car. And I got the new house. And I got the new suit. And I got the new this and the latest that. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if you define your walk with God by those things, you are deceived. It's the deceitfulness of riches. Distracted. So busy doing everything, but the main thing, what is the main thing it is to disciple, to go into all the world and make disciples. It's thorny ground. It's distracted ground. It's the heart caught with the cares of life. The deception of riches and we do everything. We make money. We make friends. We make profit. We make advancement. We make progress. We do everything. But the main thing, we make a good promotion and we make more friends and we accrue more property. But we didn't make one disciple. That's the main thing. One week after the next, hanging out, doing activities, entertaining, being entertained then show up to church outreach. Discipleship is an afterthought. If a thought at all, we tend to think if the first three grounds, uh, as those who don't believe this truth, but the last two grounds are the ones that do believe the truth. They receive the word. They even receive it with joy and they even grow. They receive the truth. They believe the truth. They just don't practice all the truth. See, how how do you ultimately know if you're the thorny ground or not? Fruit. Where's your fruit? The danger of distractions is that they're choking you the entire time you're enjoying them. The Holy Ghost spoke that to me clearly. The danger of distractions is is that you're? they're choking you the entire time you're enjoying them. It's the riches of this world. You're enjoying the pleasures of the world, and the entire time it's choking you. You're not even aware that you're not fruitful. You're eating all the fat of the land, but you're not fruitful. You're enjoying all the things you've accomplished, all the things you've attained, all the things you've done, all the things you've accrued, but there's still no fruit. See the difference between the stones and the thorns is the difference of pain versus pleasure. Stones are pain. Thorns are. Our pleasure see the further you make it down the, the more there's going to be after you see if you can make it past the wayside and get it inside of you. There's going to be growth, but you can, then you got the next big phase. You got to deal with those stones deep down beneath you those those heavy things those hard things those difficult things you got to deal with them and they're painful to deal with. But if you could ever get past the pain the next thing you got to get past is the pleasure of being profitable. Because We we don't like stones. We don't want to deal with them because they're painful. But if we don't deal with thorns, if we don't deal with pleasure, we are going to be in trouble. We avoid pain and we pursue pleasure. It's the danger of both of those grounds. You don't want pastor preaching and striking those stones beneath the surface. It's painful. It hurts. It bothers you. And so you resist it and you, you fight back against it. We avoid pain, but we pursue pleasure. And so while we're growing and while We're accruing in the bank and we're getting more property and we're getting more things, this, that and the other. We don't want we don't want that cut down because we're so busy pursuing it. We don't got time to pursue making disciples because we're busy making dollars. I don't want to get so caught up with making dollars that I never make disciples. God, help me to get Lord beyond just avoiding pain and just pursuing pleasure. I'll deal with the pain and God, I'll remove any pleasure that would distract me. wonder if we could lift our hands for just a moment. And if you could just, just talk to God for a moment. Say, God, work on me for a little bit right now. Jesus, I give the Holy Ghost full permission just to talk to my heart for a moment. Meet me where I'm at right now, God. Lord, every single one of us, let us be dealt with. None of us are perfect. We all got room for improvement. Holy Ghost work on this holy ground. Jesus. 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 Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? We avoid pain. We pursue pleasure. The pain brings offense and the seed dies. But the pleasure brings distraction. And the seed never produces fruit. The same seed has the same power. But different grounds bring different results. This same word the right conditions is fruitful. Prophets never produce what they promise, and that's joy. If you have money, you'll be happy. If you have wealth, you'll be happy. you have more followers on social media, you'll be happy. You'll, You'll have so much more if you just have more. Yes, you'll find pleasure. But you'll never find fullness of joy, because I promise you this. Look, I I am not wealthy, but remember, rich is relative. If you're American, you're wealthy. You you could hate whatever you want about this country, but if you're making twenty to thirty thousand dollars, you are the top one percent wealth of the world. And so, with that in mind, and with that on your heart, we 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 know that when you buy that that gadget. It will bring you pleasure when 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 you get that car, it will bring you pleasure when you get that house. It will bring you pleasure. Momentarily. But it will never give you joy, fullness of joy, completion. You'll never feel complete. That's why the person that gets the the big house, the next house has to be bigger. When they get the car, the next car has to be newer. It has to be full interior. It's always more. It's always advancement. That's why it, and I, I don't celebrate or rejoice when someone of prestige in, in, in secularism uh, falls. I don't, I don't take joy in someone else's pain. The Bible says not to do that. But you take this guy who, who uh, uh, be- Bezos, Bezos, however you say his name, the guy over Amazon who is the richest man in the world. He, he has anything he wants. And he has a wife, and he's got all this stuff, and yet he's still not fulfilled, and so he cheats on his wife, and he buys more things. And now it's the most expensive divorce in the history, $170 billion divorce. And instantly she became the wealthiest woman in the world. Pleasure, but no joy. I said it before, I don't have this in my notes or anything, but uh, I, I made mention a couple of years ago about the, the man who in, invented Minecraft and became a billionaire. And on his social media account, I can't think of his name right now, uh, but he, he was he was with all these movie stars. And he's somewhere, I want to say, in, S- in the Swiss Alps. And he's at this big party for these wealthy people. And he just starts he starts posting on Twitter how he's surrounded by so and so and so and so. But he's never felt more alone in his life. Access to anything he wants, but joy. Distractions look differently for individuals. Listen very carefully. Depending if you're on the fringe of the church or in the core of the church, distractions look differently for each individual. It's so easy to peg these grounds that we're talking about on others, and you begin to justify, well, ah, that's not me. Don't justify, just obey. That's all you need to do here today. See, for the fringe, your distractions keep you from prayer. For the core, your distractions keep you from adding to your prayer. You're, You're the core, but you're praying the same amount you did a year ago. You're the core, but you're praying the same amount you did two years ago. Distractions. For the fringe, your distractions keep you from reading the word. For the core, your distractions keep you from teaching the word. Distractions. I'm thankful for everyone that's here. But God, help us not to be here and distracted. Because God wants you not to have thorns choking your fruitfulness. God wants you to be fruitful in prayer. God wants you to be fruitful in the word. For the fringe, your distractions keep you from church. For the core, your distractions keep you from giving more time to the church. So distracted, things don't even cross your mind until Sunday. I think I made mention of the other week. All week, I think I made uh, two weeks ago when I talked about the, the, the wayside, the seeds going out, guests coming in, and we're thankful for every guest that comes to the house of God. But that's the only time we even thought of them all week, and then we show up Sunday and we wonder where they're at. It's distractions. It's distractions. But see, when you are not caught up with distractions or the cares of this world, there are going to be the right things crossing your mind throughout the week. It's what we just talked about. Paul calling it carnally minded versus spiritually minded. I want. My thoughts to consistently be consumed with spiritual thoughts, things concerning the kingdom of God. I don't I don't want to show up on a Sunday and and I I didn't even think about reading my Bible once. I didn't even think about praying once. I didn't even think about, you know, I I, I thought about going fishing. I thought about going hunting. I thought about playing basketball. I thought about playing video games. I thought about hanging out. I thought about having so-and-so come around my house, but I didn't think about talking to anyone about church. Distractions. Distractions. It's the thorny ground. We look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. I'm just about done. For those who are ready for me to shut up. It came to pass as they went that Jesus entered into a certain village. And there's a certain woman named Martha, and she received Jesus into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Mary. There's the sisters in the same house. But Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, look at this. She hears his word. Is that what we're talking about? We're talking about the seed. We're talking about the word and everyone that hears the word, every single ground, every single heart. But then you have Martha, who is cumbered about much serving. And she came up to Jesus, said, Jesus. Don't you care my sister has left me to serve alone? Why don't you tell her to come help me? And Jesus replies to Martha and says, You are careful and troubled about many things. Full of care. Full of distraction about many things. But there's one thing that's needful. And Mary chose the good part. And I'm not going to take that away from her. You and I, we may not be carnal, but are we distracted? And I thank God for a church that is not carnal. (laughs) Trust me, I, I, I don't want to pastor a carnal church. I don't want to deal with that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you can have consecrated people. They're not carnal. They're consecrated, but they're distracted. And we got to make sure in all of our consecration and all of our, our, our staying away from carnality that we are not distracted because the results can be just as devastating because a carnal person will go to hell. But see, a distracted person will let others go to hell. That's the danger of distraction is knowing what it takes to be saved and been around the one that saved you, but never saving others, never raising others. Jesus said you are careful and you're troubled about many things things, Martha. You're full of care. You care about this. You're distracted by that. You're distracted with your life. You're distracted with your house. You're distracted with your career. You're distracted by your spouse. You're distracted by your child. You're distracted by your schedule. You're distracted by your finance. You're full of care. You're full of control. You're full of thorns. Thorns attached to you. So you can't attach to God. And so here is Martha full of thorns, busy. Man, I got to make sure my house looks right. I got to make sure my house is clean. I got to make sure, you know, this, I got to, I got to take care of that. Oh, it's time for this. It's on my schedule. I got to make sure. Nope. It's got to stay. I got to do this. And the whole time Jesus is in the house and she's busy with the house instead of being at the feet of Jesus. It's thorns. It's thorns. And she, as much as everything's looking nice and everything's together and everything seems productive and everything seems to be going well, the whole time she is detached from Jesus. And so when she comes and she's mad because the one with ADD who doesn't see the dirty this and doesn't see the dirty that and doesn't, doesn't uh, fill out the checks on the, the task list and, and doesn't make sure that, you know, the kids are on a certain time frame. She's got ADD and so we're so mad. But Jesus says, I'm not going to take this away from her. Because she's chosen the right thing. And that's me. That's me. And I know that can frustrate many of us in this place. But Jesus. Jesus. Nothing can distract us From Jesus. Don't let our personality. Distract us from Jesus. Don't let our OCD. Distract us from Jesus. Don't let the cares of this world. Distract us from Jesus. Don't let the deceitfulness of riches. Distract us from Jesus. Detach yourself from the cares of this world. And plug into God. Don't be deceived by the riches of this world. Thorns. Weeds. They grow fast. They grow fast, and they grow easy. And it's not a particular personality that thorns grow. It's all of our personalities. It's every single person in this room. We all have, there's different types of weeds. There's different types of thorns. Trust me, I am never going to be distracted with hunting. I'm never going to be distracted with fishing. And some of you will never be distracted with with what I do which was reading or drinking coffee. We all have different weeds. We all have different distractions. We all have different things. But every single one of us have to constantly monitor our heart in this ground for thorns and weeds. Constantly. Constantly. It was, I don't know, two, three years ago. I remember the the landscape around this church. I was... uh... I was like admiring a couple of bushes because they were like just like growing. They were huge. And I'm just so mad because I'm like, why can't why can't I get these other things to grow like that? These things are doing so good. And then um, someone just kind of made mention, maybe there's maybe there's some weeds in there. I'm like, oh. So I called up Cody Wilhelm, who who knows a thing or two about plants, and and I described it. And he goes, Well, Get closer to it. Look, look a little closer and, and take a picture of it. And so I took a picture, sent it to him, and then he, he circled and showed me, you know, what, what to look at. And there were, there were two sets of leaves in the bushes, and they looked identical. There was just a small variation in one leaf versus the other. And it was that other leaf that was overtaking the actual bush. It mimicked it. It looked like it. And it looked like it was growing and doing well. But the whole time, the actual bush that should have been flowering wasn't. It was being choked. It was being choked. And if we're not careful, we come to church and be like, man, I never miss Sunday. Well, I'm always in the prayer room before service. And look, I I don't belittle that. I, I want people in this building. I want people in the prayer room, absolutely. But if we're not careful, we can just keep swelling and swelling with all this foliage and Not even realize it looks like we're growing. But it's weeds. It's distractions. And when we should be flowering, when we should be producing in the season, we're not. And then comes the harsh reality when you get to that place where you have all this swelled growth and you have all this foliage. But then when the weights are in the balances, there's no fruit. And all of a sudden there's no fullness of joy. You had your pleasure. But you don't feel joy. But if you could ever constantly monitor your heart and say, God, are there any thorns? Is there anything that keeps overtaking my relationship with you? Is there anything that keeps overtaking the kingdom of God and the things of God? Lord, what do I, what constantly consumes my mind? And I want if I don't know if I've quoted this scripture at all. These past couple of weeks in this series, but you could write this down if you like, and that's Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse three and four and five. And, and 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 the writer, Paul, as he spoke to the church, he says, even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Because this right here, this particular ground is a battle of the mind. It's the mental thing, it's the cares of this world, the thoughts of this world, the concerns of the world the distractions of the world and it infiltrates each of us in a different way and so you know what constantly remember take inventory of your thoughts if you want to find out if you're thorny ground and so begin to write down what constantly on a day if you've never done it just do it just take a list and write down what constantly consumes your mind on a daily basis and look at that list and see if any of that list is kingdom concepts is the things of God or is it the things of life the cares Of life, not that the things that you put on the list are bad, because you got to make sure that you you shower, you got to make sure you change the kids, you got to make sure that you provide for your family, got to make sure you show up to work. Those things are essential; they're important. But all those things that consume you, that are that are distracting from the things that are needful, these are important. Got to take care of them. But Jesus said, "There's one thing that is needful, and Mary found it, and I'm not taking it from her. She may have the worst." Check checkoff list of any woman in all the land of Israel. But there's one thing I'm not going to take from her. And that's her position with me. And that's her productivity in the kingdom of God. God, I cast down imaginations. Lord, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And I bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let's stand together. It, it it's different for all of us, but it's not all that different for all of us. We at the core, at the principle of it all, it's the same thing. It's cares, it's distractions. Those distractions manifest differently, but the outcome's the same: no fruit, no fruit, no fruit. So this is what I want you to consider, because of course none of us are guilty, right? None of us are guilty. Not me. Show me your fruit. I have to stand before Jesus and show the fruit. And the fruit reveals. Because, see, if you've been here for a length of time, it's quite possible you've dealt with some stones. But at the same time, stones surface, and there's still some stones that haven't been dealt with yet. And so you find out if you're stoning ground because when that's when 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 actual problems arise you the growth reverses and you die. But the thorny ground, you're still alive and you're breathing, you're in the house of God. You've been coming in quite some time. You've been making it for a year, two years, five years, whatever it is, and doing good. But you know, you know you're aggravated deep down inside. And this is why this is why thorny people to get, they continually stay distracted because they don't want to deal with the results or the lack of them. They don't see the fruit, and so it's the next activity, the next activity, the next distraction, the next hobby, the next this, the next that. But God, help me to pause and stop trying to take care of all these things and remove these thorns because the ultimate goal. Of these four lessons that we're in, next week we're going to wrap it up. The ultimate goal is that fourth ground. I want to be fruitful. I want to be productive for God. I want to produce something eternal. I don't want to store up treasures on earth. I want to store up treasures in heaven. Where moth cannot corrupt and corrode. And rust cannot corrode it. And no thief can break through and steal. God, I want treasures in heaven. I want true riches. I wonder if there's anyone here today that would like to stand at this altar and let God, again, I know you, you, right now we're all feeling like, man, these past three services, just, it's like we keep plowing or keep plucking or there's a reason for that. Because the fourth ground is worth all that work. That, that fourth, when we finally get to that ground, you're going to look back and say, man, I'm glad I broke past surface religion. I'm glad that, that we dealt with those stones in the ground. I'm glad that we pulled out those weeds in my life. Because all of a sudden, when there's 30-fold added to this church, and there's 60-fold added to this church, and there's 100-fold added to this church. Look, uh, we, got, we got a farmer in the house. Today. Glad to have Brother George with us today. It's, it's a lot of work to be a farmer. But when the crop comes in, when it's harvest time, and, and there's actual productivity, and there's high yield, it's a good time. It's a rejoicing time. It's a pl- place of joy, but right after the harvest, the farmer goes right back to work. It's a never-ending process, never-ending process until we make it on the other side. It's seasons it's seasons. And that's what the man of God, uh, uh, pastor Shaw talked to us about a number of years ago or a number, number of months ago. It's seasons, but God is preparing us for harvest. God's readying us for harvest. And I don't know about you, but God, I'll come to this altar one more time. And God, I'll look for some thorns one more time. God, I'll look for some weeds on this plot of ground. One more time. God, would you show me right now? Lord, come on. Remember the danger of the thorny ground is you enjoy it. The The whole time you're being choked. The whole time you're being choked and you're not having any fruit, you're enjoying it because you're caught up with the cares of this world and the deception of riches. God, I pray right now, Lord, before we get to next week, and Lord, before we focus and celebrate on fruitful ground, I pray, God, we deal with this holy ground right now. Lord, one more time. One more time. Lord, we got the word beyond the surface. And God, we dug deep last week to remove some stones. And today, God, we're trying to deal with some thorns. All of us have a level of distraction. All of us have things that preoccupy our minds. But today, today, in the name of Jesus, I get back down in the altar. I get back down in the soil. And, Lord, I pray right now, God, that I am not careful and troubled about many things. But, Jesus, that I choose the one thing that matters, the one thing that is valuable. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.